I've spoken a good bit recently about this idea of structure and realigning your trajectory to achieve certain goals. Now, with me personally, with my training, the goal now is very firmly put 5k in less than 20 minutes. That's the goal. That's been the goal for a good while. I say a good while. It's been the goal for a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so. But what was wrong was I didn't have structure in place. And a big key component, I think, of not having structure in place. Without structure, your short-term isn't aligned. Sorry, your short-term wants aren't aligned with your long-term wants. So my short-term wants. So let's say today I want to go out and train. I want to get fitter and faster and stronger. And the way you do that is you go out and you fucking train hard. Da 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 Pound the fucking roads. And that will get you to a point. But only in the short term. If you want to really make headway towards a goal, it needs to be more long term than what you feel like doing on any given day. Because if you do what I did which was go out and push, 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 you know, every day, you're going to plateau. That's how you plateau. You plateau by going flat out all the time. You're guaranteed to plateau if that's what you're doing. Your long-term goals aren't aligned with your daily wants and needs and goals. So I'm an intense person. I'm an extremist of sorts, and I like pushing myself. But your trajectory is towards plateauing. It's not over. It's not your trajectory is in long term improvement or improvement over time. And it, it harks back to that old adage of we overestimate what we can do in a short period of time and underestimate what we can do in a long period of time. And it was the same in relation to the podcast. I implemented a little bit of structure and it's given me massive amounts of headspace and I can I can see through the fog a little bit. I can, I can think a little bit clearly because I'm just not under that type of pressure. And like I spoke about in another recent episode, when you're in that kind of pressure cooker environment, you tend to make bad decisions. I also added a little bit of structure, sorry, a lot of structure to my diet. So the carnivore diet that I went through in, in April, say, like that was hard, that was really hard. And I knew it was unsustainable. But the whole point of it was to knock me off my sugar addiction, which it did, and it worked fantastically. But I'm coming up on three weeks, the far side of that. And what I did was I went from having incredible amounts of structure, only meat, nothing else. That's extraordinarily limiting, but it provides an extraordinary amount of structure. But over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed it slipping. And I'm on my food-only diet, and I've stuck to that fairly well. But I'm still eating a lot more bread than I think is advisable. And the problem there is, in hindsight, is I went from a mountain of structure to practically no structure. And the middle of the road there is probably better. Because you don't want to be living in a fucking prison. You don't want, oh, it's seven o'clock, I have to brush my teeth and I have to be finished brushing my teeth by three minutes past seven. Because at three minutes and 30 seconds past seven, I need to be sitting on the toilet and then I need to be doing this. You can, you can have too much structure, obviously. I'm exaggerating to make that point, but you get the idea. You don't want your life to be, like, I don't want to know exactly what I'm going to be doing 
Wednesday, three weeks at four o'clock. So the podcast, the diet and the fitness, I've added structure to it. I'm still working out the diet thing, but we're getting there. But at least I'm cognizant of needing the structure and I'm aware how I've I've been slipping over the last number of weeks in relation to my food-only diet. Sleep is the next thing that I need to address. I don't go to bed at the same night. And I think I don't go to bed at the same time every night. And that's something that I'm going to implement as of tonight. I'm going to, I, I'm going to pick a time, half nine, so. Now, that doesn't mean I have to go to bed and go to sleep at half nine. I can go to bed and write or read or whatever. But the idea is that if I get into the habit of being in bed at a certain time, it'll just add a little bit more structure to my day. Because I'll be a little bit more inclined in the evening to do the things that I need to do when I know, fuck, I'm going to have to be in bed at half nine. I better pull my finger out and get this thing done. Instead of doing it at my leisure and going to bed at half eleven or twelve or one or whatever fucking time I decide to stay up to. But I think a, a crucially integral part of all of this is aligning your short term with your long term. And to give another analogy, it's like a fat person. In the long term, their long term goal is to be slimmer than they are. But their daily want is to eat a lot. And those two things are very much misaligned, obviously. And when you put it in those terms, it's all very simple and it's all very straightforward. But yet so so many of us, myself included, have had difficulty managing our weight. And it's funny, on that exact point, something that I've noticed... So I put on the COVID stone, as it's known, probably put on two of them, truth be told. And the COVID stone and COVID generally came at the latter part of my having young kids. So I have a young lad who's nearly seven, he's just a month off being seven, and I have a, a teenager, a little three-year-old girl. So I'm out with the trenches of having babies and toddlers in the house. And when you've got babies and toddlers in the house, you're typically not out running or not out training or out socialising. You're kind of stuck at home to a degree. And that's just, a, that's just a phase of your life that you kind of have to go through, I think. You have to be a little bit housebound when you have smaller kids. So what happened to me was, and what happens to most people, I think, when they have small kids, because they're at home so much and because, you know, you can't go, you can't really play in the back garden with a one-year-old during the winter, so you're inside, you're sitting on the couch, you might be crawling around on the floor playing with your kid, but you're not exactly burning off calories. So most men and women, I would argue, put on weight, excess weight, fat, when they've got young kids. And then I think that what happens to a lot of people is that becomes the new normal. And a lot of people never leave that. They, all, they, become, they become house people in a weird way and house people tend to to kind of put on weight so I was just coming out of that putting on weight because I had young kids in the house phase and then COVID hit so that's why I had two COVID stones practically to get rid of now I'm after getting rid of a lot of them and the meat only diet helped immensely there again not in reducing the amount not in stripping me of fat but just of kicking me off that fucking sugar addiction that I had But one thing that I've noticed is I was at my fattest at the end of March. The fattest I've ever been in my entire life was at the end of March of this year. And then 
I lost a lot of body fat in April and I've continued to lose it. Now, that's not just from e- eating nothing but meat. It's been training like fuck as well. But what I've noticed is I'd have no problem now being in a public setting and having to take my top off. Okay? That wouldn't bother me. Now. Two months ago, it fucking would have very much so. Because two months ago, I was the fattest that I ever was. And when you're the fattest that you've ever been, you're at your most insecure about your about, about yourself generally, certainly about your, your own body image. And what I noticed is, so I'm a lot trimmer now than I was then, but I'm a lot fatter now than I have been. So I'm not, right now as I, as I record this, I'm not the fattest I've ever been. I've lost a lot of weight in the last two months. A lot, a, a lot of body fat in, in the last two months. But I'm still fatter than I used to be. And I've been slimmer than I am now. But when I was slimmer than I am now, at that point in time, I was the fattest I'd ever been. And therefore, wouldn't have been comfortable with taking my top off at all. Because you never want to expose yourself when you're the heaviest you've ever been. But most people, I would argue, are the heaviest they've ever been. It's more the norm to be the heaviest that you've ever been. Because most people don't lose a load of weight. And because most people put weight on kind of gradually over time, fat people typically didn't become fat in a certain year or in a certain period. People who are fat... Typically speaking, broad sweeping generalization alert are in the process of getting fatter and fatter and fatter. I'm often wondering these days how many states of fat loss or fat gain is there? Is there you're either putting on weight or losing weight, or is there a maintaining, or is there the three? Do you ever maintain or are you always either putting on weight or losing weight? Because realistically, the possibility of maintaining a certain weight is certainly possible, but you have to really count your calories and watch your training schedule and all the rest of it. And realistically, in day-to-day life, we don't have that. So I wonder, are you perpetually either gaining weight or losing weight? And jumping in and out of both, like on a daily basis, you know, you gain one-tenth of a pound one day, you lose one-tenth of a pound the next day, and you're always kind of hovering in and around the same weight. Or is there a, a state whereby you will just stay the same weight, provided you're within reason eating and doing the same amount of things? But aside from the, the states of weight loss and weight gain, I'm not sure how well I put across this idea that if you're slimmer than the heaviest you've ever been, you're a lot more comfortable in your own skin. At least that's what I found. I'm a hell of a lot more comfortable in my own skin. And it's funny because it's, it's, down, to, it's down to relativity. It's, it's down to... So I'm, again, I am now quite happy. I whip my top off, no problem. I'm not jacked or ripped to bits by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm comfortable in my own skin these days. And that's not down to the amount of body fat that I have or the weight that I have. It's in relevance to how big I've been. So I've been slimmer than I am now. But at at times when I've been slimmer than I am now, 
I could also have been, for that period of my life, the heaviest I've ever been. And when you're the heaviest you've ever been, you're not inclined to whip the fucking top off. <laughs> How the fuck did I start talking about whipping me top off? <laughs> and just in case you're wondering, I'm not in the habit of whipping me top off. I'm, for the most part, a p- pretty normal person. <laughs> but anyway, I digress, as always. Aligning your short-term goals with your long-term goals is what I fucking wanted to try and talk about. And I'm still there, there, thereabouts. Work, then, is the other thing. I was stripped of of work. I've been stripped of my kind of daily routine. So hopefully when Mr. Covid upsticks and fucks off and I'm back supplying restaurants, hopefully that will give me more structure. So if I have my podcast structure, my fitness structure, my diet structure, my sleep structure, and my work structure, like, fuck me, if if they're all in place and they haven't been ever, really, like, you could fucking, without sounding too up my own hole, you could do great things with that much structure in your life, like, or at least you have the, you have the ability to, or the, you're, you're, again, it's something that I've said before and I haven't said in a while, you're laying down the foundations for success. Like a lot of people, you ask them, you know, or they might say that they'd love to do a bit of running or they'd love to get training, yet you say, like, well, why don't you? And it's like, oh, I never have the energy and I never have this and I never have the time and I never have whatever else. And, and they're right. They are too busy. They don't get enough sleep. They don't have the energy levels to do it. And to me, at least, it's, It's putting structures in place whereby you allow the circumstances for success to unfold. So if you you want to go running on a Tuesday, you know, can you take it easy on a Monday? Or is Monday your busiest day of the week? Because if Monday, Monday is your busiest day of the week, odds are you're not going to have a whole pile of energy on the Tuesday. Now, that's a, a really base example, but hopefully the sentiment is coming across. Because that's, like, no matter what I'm talking about, the specifics are always practically irrelevant. It's always just the sentiment. It's always just the fucking gist. It's always the, the philosophical bedrock, the fundamentals, the axioms, the presuppositions. It's all about the fucking depth of what I'm talking about. It's the narrative. It's not the individual bits and bobs. Like, you could... I could just hit stop on this recording, delete it and start over and explain the exact same principles in a completely different way. It wouldn't it it, it would be vaguely the same because I'm still the same human and I don't have the ability to just come at things willingly from a hundred and one different angles. But the point remains, so long as the sentiment is there, everything else is relevant. But before I let you go, I mentioned in the previous episode the idea of starting a second podcast that would run parallel to the whole off the lead thing. And what I'm tying with is, I haven't settled on a name for it, we'll call it the Frano McKeown Show. It's essentially a chat show based podcast. So the idea being, I pick, let's say, I think I've had 39 conversations to date. If I was to pick the top 30, the top 30 conversations that I've had, upload 20 of them to a brand new podcast completely totally and utterly separate to off the lead just invent a new podcast call it the Fran and McKeown show upload 20 episodes that's a bank of episodes then advertise this new Fran and McKeown show throw a couple of hundred quid at fucking Instagram or Facebook or iTunes or Spotify or whatever promote it whatever way I see fit with an ad and, you know, a real commercial ad, like, you know, fucking, 
all the bells and whistles and all that jazz, you know. Check out the new Offleet podcast. I'm not the Offleet podcast, of course I have, but, but you know, fucking, uh, have you heard what the nation is all talking about? Blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, a real jingly kind of ad, a real commercial ad. Get people fucking talking. And use maybe snippets of con- previous conversations that I've had in the ads. But the idea is that you promote this new thing, which is all about conversations. And it's just conversations. You've uploaded the 20, let's say, out of the 30 that you're going to use. Upload 20, have them there as a bank. So when people hear an ad and do decide to check it out, they have 20 of the best episodes to pick and choose from. Past that then, it's new episodes every Monday at 9 or whatever the fuck. And because I've picked my top 30, uploaded, let's say, 20 of them, that means I'm buying myself 10 weeks of a new conversation every week for new listeners who've never heard of Off The Lead or Fran McKeown or, or anything like that. I've bought myself 10 weeks. Over the course of those 10 weeks, have at least one conversation a week and upload it and keep that as a separate thing. But that would be a very commercial thing. There'd be no, I was about to say there'd be no solos. There could well be solos. For each conversation that I upload, I might do a 10, 20, 30 minute solo to pair with the conversation. So just picking my most recent conversation with a past guest and friend of the show, Christy, I was about to say Christy Moffat. His name's not Christy Moffat. Christy McQuillan. Shout out to Christy Moffat, by the way. Move away. Move away from the video. <laughs> anyway. In a 10 or 20, 30 minute subsequent solo podcast in relation to Christy McQuillan's episode, I might say... Really enjoyed the chat with Christy. Would have loved to have talked more about this, less about that. When I said this, what I should have said was this. When he was talking about this, I really wanted to interrupt with this, but I couldn't because I wanted to keep the flow of the conversation go. And you basically just do a synopsis of the conversation. And it's just an extra little window into maybe what happened before the recording started, after the recording ended, what our plans are for the future, and all that jazz. But again... It'd be uploaded to Off The Lead as normal. Off The Lead's not going to change. What you're listening to now is going to stay the same. There's going to be the same amount of fucking solos. There's going to be the odd mad songs thrown in. There's going to be videos on YouTube. There's going to be all sorts of Off The Lead stuff. And it's going to be genuine and authentic and off the cuff and extemporaneous and all that jazz. And it's going to be creative. And I'm going to let it do whatever it is that it's going to end up doing. Because there's a, there's a creative bent on the whole off the lead thing but the conversations would be packaged so there'd be a a shiny intro at the start and a shiny extra at the end and maybe an ad in the middle maybe it'll be sponsored maybe it'll be brought to you by netflix or sky or whoever the fuck and i'd be able to package something like that and sell it to netflix or sell it to fucking sky or aircom or whoever the fuck might want to might want to support what I'm doing because when they ask me, tell me about the Fran and McCone show, what I'd say to them is I love speaking to interesting people about interesting things. I like speaking to people from different loops. Give them that whole spiel. And I don't have to say, oh, and by the way, I swear a lot. I talk endlessly about my opinions on political matters and racial matters and religious matters and blah, blah, blah. Like all that stuff is just poison for an advertiser. It's like, ugh. No fucking thank you. They won't touch that with a barge pole. And maybe me doing the whole off the lead thing will be too close 
to the Fran McKeown show for them to have any interest in me. But it's certainly more packageable and more palatable and more saleable when I separate the two. Plus, it gives me a commercial arm to what I'm doing because you can monetize something like that. Another thing that I'm tying with, with this new Fran McKeown show is you upload your bank of 20 episodes, you upload the subsequent 10 episodes that you've been holding on to over the course of 10 weeks, you upload a new episode every week thereafter, and it's free for everyone. But if you want to hear them as they're being uploaded, you have to pay a fiver a month. You can wait a month and I'll have, it, I'll have it uploaded for free. But if you want to stay current, it's a fiver a month. Again, it's just one revenue model that I'm looking at. But what the bit of headspace, the structure in relation to the podcast has given me is a bit of breathing space for me to sit back and kind of go, what's your trajectory here, Frano? Where's this going? Like it's, It has its utility. There's great benefit in doing it and all the rest of it. But you were talking about committing to this full-time not that long ago. You were talking about monetizing this and making this your you know, main preoccupation moving forward. And that's all well and good, but what's your trajectory like? And that got me thinking. I was like, well, if I keep going the way I'm going, I'm probably just going to burn out or lose interest at the rate at which it's developing. Because I'm not putting my, my kind of capitalist hat on. I'm not fucking selling it to people. And I don't want to fucking sell it to people. I don't want to package it. I want to be genuine and authentic and all the rest of it. And it's very hard, if not impossible, to package something and sell it when it's genuinely genuine and genuinely authentic. But if I break it in half somewhat and have the Frano McKeown show on one hand and the Off The Lead show on the other hand, I can plow on doing exactly what I have been doing with Off The Lead package and sell the Fran and McKeown show to the fucking masses and look hopefully they'll help each other out hopefully the Fran and McKeown show will draw people to off the lead and off the lead will draw people to the Fran and McKeown show but who knows but again the only reason that I've been able to have the fucking clarity of mind to come up with any of this and any of the content for any of the episodes recently is the little bit of headspace it's the little bit of structure And again, like I said in a previous episode, it's been long told to me that this is what I needed. But you have to make your own mistakes. You can't put a wise head on young shoulders. You can't skip steps. Like, this, this idea of skipping steps, a lot of people go to college and they get business degrees. And then they set up a a business. But they've learned in college or university all the different things that you shouldn't do as a startup. So they avoid all these different things. And they get their businesses up out of the ground and their businesses thrive or fail or whichever. But they'll always suffer from having been taught the things not to do and not having learned the things not to do. Because that to me is the difference between knowing something and getting it. You can't skip those steps. You can't be told not to do this certain thing and then you not to do it and expect to have learned anything from it. You don't learn from being told the right way to do things. You learn from making mistakes. And it's not as if, now that I have all this structure in place, I'm, I'm going to stop making mistakes. I think I'm going to make less of them. But you want to make less and less mistakes. You want to keep making more and more mistakes, especially as you get on in life. 
you want to have learned from your experiences in the past. Hopefully what I've learned in relation to the podcast or my training or my diet or my sleep or my work, hopefully the things that I've learned on that will inform the next thing that I do that's not on that list that I haven't even thought of yet. Maybe like it'd be foolish of me to think that I'm going to spend the rest of my life as a podcaster. Now maybe I will. But I've been in too many loops and came out of them. So when I was a kid, I was a hurler. That's all I was. But then I started playing rugby and all I was was a rugby player. And then I started playing Gaelic football and all I was was a footballer. And then I get into MMA and all I was was a fighter. And then I get into starting my own business person and starting my own business and, and became a business person. And now I'm fucking podcasting like fuck and I'm a podcaster. But because I've done so much and kind of moved on, it would be foolish of me to think that, you know, this podcast or that business was going to be me forevermore. The best indicator of future performance is past performance. Now, having said that, there's there's two notable exceptions, I suppose. One is the fighting. So I did that very, very, very seriously for six years. But in the subsequent years, I've set up an MMA gym. And that was only fucking six months ago. Thank you, Mr. COVID, you prick. But like that'll come back online as well. So it's not as if I've left fighting behind me by no stretch of the imagination. And in relation to the podcast, I had it. I obsessed over it, did nothing but it for like a year. And then it kind of fell by the wayside. But hop, skip and jump 18 months later and it's back up and running bigger and better than ever before. And I'm at it now longer than I've ever been at it. And I'm thinking forward thinking into the future i'm thinking about setting up you know strictly just the conversations and pushing that to a more conservative audience because conservatives like the tommy tiernan show but liberals like tommy tiernan they like the tommy tiernan show as well don't get me wrong but a more liberal-minded person would like his solos i personally don't like either being perfectly frank but i do like that he's doing what he thinks or he's, he's doing what he likes and it's successful i say more fucking power to him i think the more people out there having open and honest and frank conversations with people the fucking better even if i don't particularly like your style it's not about styles it's about just people doing it like what i always say to people is i think you should start your own podcast it doesn't matter if it's any good it doesn't matter if i like it it doesn't matter if you like it but by doing it you learn You learn about yourself, you learn about other people, you learn about the anxiety of uploading stuff, you learn about exposing yourself to the world a little bit more. Maybe it's not for you, but you won't know if it's for you or not for you unless you fucking try it. Which begs the question, you know, what's worth trying? Should I try this? Should I try that? Should I try the other? And it's very hard to know what you should be at because I can't advise anybody other than myself what they should be at because we're all pulled by our own interests, which we don't really decide. But one thing that I would say is add a little bit of fucking structure. Ask yourself as often as you can, is what I'm doing serving where I want to be in 5, 10 or 20 years time? Or is it running in opposition to where I want to be? You want a six pack, do you? Right. And that's why you're fucking just after leaving McDonald's and you're on your way to fucking Krispy Kremes or wherever the fuck. You want to be super strong, do you? Oh, so that's why you're not eating enough. You want to be a a writer. Okay, so you're flat out writing every day, are you? Or you're not. Okay, so you're just, you know, 
That's just fantasy, is it? And it's funny because I'm fucking 37. And I'm only fucking wrapping my head around this shit now. Like, where would I be if I had these realisations when I was fucking 20? But again, I don't, I don't like to think in those terms because I'm not fucking 20. I'm 37 and I'm glad. that the way A better way of framing that is I'm fucking delighted to be 37 and to be thinking of this now. Imagine I was 57. How shit would that be before I fucking realise any of this? And it's not as if this is any big revelation. I mean, people have, like your, your mum and dad have said it to you since you were small, you know, knuckle down, do the right thing, blah, blah, blah. Like that was all sound advice. It just wasn't pitched to you in a way that you could understand. And maybe I'm not pitching this in a way that you should, that you can understand either. But again, I'm not trying to convince you or anybody else of anything. I'm trying to get this straight in my head. And the little bit of structure has fucking helped immeasurably. And on that note, I'll chat you soon.